Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, about a week ago, I had the great privilege of meeting with Stephen Davis. Stephen is a philosopher of religion at uh, Claremont University out here in Southern California. He's from the Protestant tradition and has written uh, a very good book on the philosophy of religion, which he autographed for me. And... Uh, I was very pleased to read it, and he's got a number of interesting um, chapters, but one that particularly grabbed my attention was on the contrast between two basic approaches to religion around the world. The one is called a religion of karma. You can find that in much of the East. And then the second one, which can be found in the great Abrahamic religions in the West, is called the religion of grace. So religions of karma and religions of grace. Now, the first one has a lot to recommend it, which explains its endurance across the centuries. So you probably know a karma approach says that by a kind of cosmic spiritual law, we are punished or rewarded according to our moral activities. If we do bad things, we'll suffer, either in this life or in a life to come. If we do good things, we'll be rewarded, again, either here or in the hereafter. Now, karma might not be immediate as the law of gravity is. I mean, so if I, if I drive off a, a bridge, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, fall into the, into the sea. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But karma might be delayed. Hence, John Lennon's famous song, Instant Karma, <laughs> right? He's playing with that, that, that instant karma will get you. But in most of these karma theories, it might be delayed, Nevertheless, uh, it will come. In the long run, people are rewarded or punished according to their merit. And this satisfies our sense of fairness and justice. So that's why it's, you know, it's popular. Now, a religion of grace is different. It says that all people are sinners and hence deserving of punishment, but that God out of sheer generosity, gives some what they don't deserve. So gratia, right, grace, has the sense of a, of a gift freely given. It's not something which is strictly merited. In fact, if it's merited, it's not really grace, right? So out of sheer generosity, God gives people what they don't deserve. So think of one of the most popular lines in all of Christian poetry. Amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, see, that's a great expression of a grace religion. Because on the karmic um, lines and karmic terms, wretches deserve a wretched fate. I mean, but if you say, well, this amazing grace that saved a wretch like me, it's not really fair. It's a grace, it's a gift. It's not just, really, that, that wicked people receive this great gift, but there it is. Now, devotees of a religion of grace exult in this generosity. 
Think of the parable of the workers hired at different times of the day. Remember Jesus' famous controversial parable? Some people work eight hours, some work six, some work three, some work just for a half hour, and yet they're all paid the same. Well, it doesn't make any sense on karmic lines, does it? That you're not really being recompensed justly, but rather people are getting what they don't deserve. Or think of the you know, story of the prodigal son. Here's this wretched kid that does everything wrong. He insults his father, takes his money, then wastes his money, and then pathetically comes back crawling. And what does the father do? But he graces him. He gifts, gifts him with his love and generosity. And it doesn't seem fair. In fact, the older brother in that famous story, you might say, is more of a representative of a karmic attitude. Like, well, look, I've been good all these years. This guy's been, been a jerk, and yet you're rewarding him. It doesn't seem fair. Now, before we get all self-righteous about being a religion of grace, keep in mind there's another very serious objection to um, this construal of religion. See, if grace is a gift, and there's no real warrant for the gift, because, heck, even, even wretches can get it, how come only some seem to get it and others don't? Right? Let's be honest. Let's press this thing from a religion of grace standpoint. How could it possibly be fair or right that some people get the gift of eternal life through no merit of their own, mind you, and others don't? Now, Christians have said for centuries that, you know, no one deserves anything, and therefore we shouldn't complain about inequities. I mean, no one deserves anything. So, heck, if even a handful of people get the gift of eternal life, we should be grateful for that and not complaining. Still, still, it kind of gnaws at us, doesn't it? And this complaint becomes even more acute when we realize that the Bible from beginning to end, presents a God who chooses, right? God selects Abel and not Cain. How come? Well, we don't really know. It doesn't really say. He just does. Abraham and not Lot. Jacob, not Esau. The Israelites, not the Egyptians. David, not Saul. In fact, one of the most basic truths of the whole biblical revelation is that Israel is a chosen people, right? A holy people, a people set apart from everybody else. And and the Lord insists, just to make the point clearly, that Israel was not chosen because it was the greatest, most just, most accomplished of all the people in the world. In fact, just the contrary. So again, again, our problem is this seems rather unfair. Wouldn't a religion of karma seem more just? Okay, I develop all this because I think it's in light of this dilemma that we're meant to read uh, our readings for today. So with this problem in mind, look at our first reading and the gospel especially. First reading is taken from a pivotally important section of the book of the prophet Isaiah, the greatest of Israel's literary prophets. Now, nobody could ever accuse Isaiah of underplaying the importance of Israel or the fact that Israel was the specially chosen people of God. I mean, he says it all the time. 
But listen to what he says in today's reading. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, loving the name of the Lord and becoming his servants, all who keep the Sabbath free from profanation and hold to my covenant, them I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Now we get it. Israel was indeed chosen, singled out, uniquely graced, but precisely for the world and not for itself. That's the hinge, everybody. That's what rescues a religion of grace from seeming just just arbitrary and unfair. See, what is grace, gratia? It means gift. When you hang on to a gift, hoarding it for yourself, you undermine its nature as a gift. The whole point of receiving the divine life is to give it away in turn. If you cling to it and make it your private prerogative, you undermine it, and it in fact turns to ashes. But when you give it away, it is renewed within you. Now, I'm going to argue that's the biblical message. That's the gospel of grace. Yes, we are wretches. We don't deserve it. So we've been given grace so as to become now the vehicle of grace for the whole world. Okay, we see the same thing, I think in our marvelous and controversial gospel for today. The famous story of the Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus seeking a favor. She's a foreigner, right? So Jesus protests. No, no, I've been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He seems to be operating out of a pretty exclusivist understanding of Israel's privileges and prerogatives. What's he doing? Well, St. Augustine famously said he's awakening the faith and longing of the woman as a kind of testing going on. When she presses, he has that really terrible line at first sight. It's what what causes trouble for people up and down the ages. No, I'm sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, not, not to the dogs. And then she utters her famous comeback. Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. At which point he praises her faith and gives her what she wants. Now, here's the point. He's noticing not just her cleverness and her pluck, but rather her correct understanding of the chosenness of Israel. Yes, Israel has been chosen. Yes, Israel has been given this prerogative. But for the sake of the world, so in that beautiful image, and it's done in this sort of self-deprecating way, but the beautiful image of even the scraps falling from the table, you've got a sense of how grace works. 
Yes, this great feast has been laid out for Israel, but it's meant now through Israel for the whole world. So, the question now for us, as I bring this to a close, how do we receive grace? So, we don't operate within a karmic religion. You know, we, we're a religion of grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I totally get that. I know what that means. God help me, to speak frankly, if I get what I deserve. <laughs> That's true, I'd say, of every one of us. If we were to say, okay, Lord, just operate according to what I deserve. God help all of us. No, no, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And I've received that grace in, in, in a thousand ways in my life, from the, from the faith that my parents gave me, through my education, through my call to the priesthood, to now my, my being a bishop of the church. Um, in all these ways, I've received a grace that I do not deserve. And I have zero hesitation in saying that. And again, thank God. From my perspective, I'm not operating in a religion of karma. I'd be in some serious trouble, trust me. So how do I receive this grace, though? I don't hoard it. I don't claim it as my own. I don't exult in it. I don't show off because of it. But rather now, I am meant to become a vehicle of that grace for the world. So yes, we have a choosing God, an electing God, but we shouldn't be afraid of that. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. We shouldn't hide that away. Yes, a God who elects, but not so much this rather than that, but rather this for that. Does that make sense? Grace is given uniquely, yes, but for the sake of everybody. May the Lord's grace be with all of you, and may God richly bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.